0: This morning we are in week two of a series that we're calling Heroes that, that's just simply a, a collection. There's six of them, the six, there's six men that happens to be men this time. There are uh, some women, I think if we come back around to a series like that, there's, a few, there's some women I'd like to include in the story, but uh, there are six stories of men from the Old Testament, these, uh, these men who have gone before us, who um, lived maybe not perfect lives, right? That was one of the tensions of the, of the story we started last week with Jacob, where it wasn't like Jacob always got it right. Right? It wasn't like you look at every piece of his life and you're like, that is like, the, the perfect example. This is this kind of inspiring human being that just seemed to always get it right. Uh, he's a guy who got it wrong maybe more often, just like we do sometimes, more often than he got it right. Um, but when he got it right, right in that particular moment of wrestling with God and not letting go, wrestling well, coming out transformed on the other side, new place, new name, uh, new day. Uh, the, the, the heroes that we're spending time talking about this morning are... Um, are people who uh, may not have always gotten it perfect, right? may not have always lived right or gotten it perfect. They're not heroes because they they had it figured out. They're heroes because um, in those moments that mattered, they got it right. They had courage, and so this moment, this, this story that we're spending time in this morning is a story of a, of a boy named Samuel, right? Samuel's life was long. He had uh, all sorts of moments. If you, you look at his life, there's all sorts of pieces where we could have looked at just that specific moment and said, what a courageous, heroic kind of moment that, that Samuel's life was marked by, it, or that, that when he leaned in, that, that his life was marked by. It. But, um, the, the moment that we're looking at this morning is a moment where God speaks to Samuel. Right, God speaks to Samuel, and Samuel is just a, a child at this point, and God speaks to him, and um, despite the kind of the cultural mess that, that Samuel was born into, that uh, didn't necessarily lean in, that didn't necessarily listen to God on a regular basis, that would actually have made claims that, that God wasn't speaking, that, um, that Samuel lived right, right, that he lived well, that, that he did the right thing in this moment, that he listened well. When I was a kid... Um, I grew up in a church that was very similar structurally to uh, this church, actually. It was really interesting the first time we pulled in and, and, um, in April when we visited. And uh, I said, this reminds me so much of the church I grew up in. Just the facility. I hadn't met anybody yet, but just the facility that this, uh, that, that Birchridge uh, is blessed to be able to steward. It was very similar. And I was in what would be the children's wing, which was the basement, which would be like taking the, the children's wing that we have and just putting it directly under the, the worship center. And I was in the basement, I was a kid, right? And basements when you're a kid, I don't know if you guys remember basements when they were children. um, They're a little creepy, even at a church, right? It's like, this is a church. This should be like the safest place in the world. But for some reason, I go into the basement, it was like, this is a terrifying, uh, kind of experience. And so I was going in, and it was, uh, one morning, I'm pretty sure my family was the, the family that was first there and last to leave. I was probably going downstairs to make sure lights were turned off and windows were closed and kind of all those things that, you know, the first, first in, last out family gets to, to worry about. And, um, I was going downstairs and I remember I was in the basement and there was one of the classrooms that had a whale painted on the, on the wall. It was like this mural that was like the iconic, we're in the whale classroom. This is a huge deal. Uh, when you finally got old enough to be in the whale room and, um, so um, so I'm in this room and, and, I, and I hear my name: Nathan." And I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> it's not the whale, I don't think, but there's something uh, that's, that's, that's saying my name, And I remember like being freaked out and ru- running back up the stairs, and I find my parents, and I said, "Look, I was in the basement and uh, I just heard my name, like, something, like someone or something spoke my name in the basement, I'm never going back down in the basement ever again, that's it, I'm never going to kids' church, I'm just going to stay, never going in the basement again, and um, my mom, in this moment, you know, it, we hope that we have these kind of wise moments as parents, she said, well, what if, um, what if that was God, what if that was God speaking to you, and she told me the story of Samuel, this specific moment, and she said, what if you said, if it happens again, um, just say, speak, Lord for your servant is listening, right? This is the framework for this passage. And um, so I go back downstairs and I'm like, oh man, I really hope it's God. I hope it's not like some like crazy thing that's happening here. And um, so I go down and, and um, was, was armed with it and I heard my name again. And I just said into this like scary dark basement, like speak Lord for your servant is listening. And I would love, I wish I could say that it was like this conversation that I had with God, but it was this, um, this moment Right? Just me in the, in the dark, just me in this kind of scary situation, this terrifying situation where um, I've looked back on that. And there's been other moments as I've gone abom- along my way where I have heard God audibly speak, where it's like this is God directing my path in specific kinds of ways. And um, this was maybe the first of that. This was me learning to listen, learning that, that God speaks. So I've always had this connection with this story. I've always had this connection remembering what it felt like to be a child probably about Samuel's age, having the courage to speak into a terrifying situation, speak for your servant is listening and understanding what that posture actually looked like, understanding what that might have felt like. The hard thing about Samuel moments, that particular moment was almost, was well over 30 years ago, we'll just leave it at that. Um, the, the, The hard thing about Samuel moments is that they happen in the midst of the rest of our lives, right? It's not like um, there was nothing else going on in my life. There's not like when, when God speaks, uh, it's not like we don't have other things that can occupy our thoughts. These uh, these moments, these moments of God speaking to us are, um, I wrote in my notes this way, I said either they're interruptions, right? There's either they're interrupting something else that we have going on or they aren't because we miss them, right? Either it's an interruption of God speaking into our into, into our lives, speaking into our into the particular moment and it, and it functions in some ways like an interruption or maybe for some of us it it doesn't or sometimes it doesn't simply because we don't listen and so here we are people going about our lives um, wanting I think we want God to speak right that's part of why we come to, to to this kind of environment it's part of why we gather in small groups it's it's part of why we listen why we maybe listen to Christian radio or we listen to Christian music or we're just curious about some of these things because we want God to speak Right? There's this part of us that says, I want to make sure I'm okay. I want to make sure that I'm in connection and relationship with God. And so we long for him to speak. Uh, we long for God to be near us. Right? This, these moments where it's like it feels like the attention of the God of the universe is on us, where he's speaking into our lives, where he cares deeply about us, that, that we're having these moments where it's like the, the whole of, of the attention of the God who's, who's powerful enough to create all things, who's in control of all things, is, is speaking to us. Right? We want God to be near. We want to feel close to him. Uh, maybe for some of us, we, we spend our lives and we drive around and we look or we're in environments in, in our workplaces where we just realize how broken the world actually is. That there's so much that just isn't right. There's so much that, that isn't as what we would understand God intended the world to be like. We come across situations or we experience things. And we say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we long for the world to be less broken. And so here we are, wanting God to speak, wanting God to be near us, wanting the world to be less broken, and we just don't know where to start, right? We just don't know where to start, and that's where these stories are so helpful. That's where these stories of of courage, these stories of of heroic activity, heroic partnership with God really is what we're talking about. Here's this boy Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This boy Samuel is is ministering before the Lord under Eli, His parents have kind of like entrusted him and under the care of Eli, who would have been in charge of the, of, the, of the worship space in those times. And in those days, it says this in the, the beginning of chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Right, isn't that an interesting framework? Isn't that an interesting way to, to see the world, to say, well, I think maybe God has just been silent? I think that, that it's God that has stopped speaking, not that we've stopped listening, right? It couldn't possibly be that, that we've become inattentive. It couldn't possibly be that, that we are, are, are not kind of putting into practice the kinds of things that, that give God the, the, the space in our lives to work. It must simply be that the word of the Lord was rare. It must simply be that, that God's not speaking if we're not hearing him, right? That they're making the same mistake in this moment as they're beginning to tell this story, making the same mistake that we often do, that we would say just that God must be silent mostly because we're not listening, right? Mostly because we're not taking the time to, to slow down, to walk with him, to, to create space in our lives to hear him. But it's, it's easier for us to say, well, God just doesn't speak. God isn't speaking. What's about to happen is this moment of clarity after these seasons of quiet, right? There are these, these seasons where we feel maybe a little bit distant from God, where we feel like there's, there's been the silence of God, but then all of a sudden this, this moment happens where we hear clearly, And this is the the, the context, this is what's about to happen, this is Samuel, and it's being kind of bookmarked by this conversation or relationship of the people with God. And it starts with saying, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark was was so this is the context this is this is what's happening it's now getting it's starting to get dark samuel is is kind of by himself in this space the uh, eli is laying down and resting and and then the lord the lord called samuel and samuel answered here i am and he ran to eli and said here i am you called me but eli verse five said eli said "I, i did not call go back and lie down. And so Samuel did what he should have done in that moment. His, his kind of, his guide, his mentor said, go lay down. So Samuel went and laid down. Verse six, again, the Lord said, or Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel, this is kind of a parenthetical explanation of what's happening in the story as the story is unfolding in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Right? We're talking about maybe what we would imagine as maturity. Right? Is, is Samuel mature enough? Does he know enough about God to, to actually hear God speak? I think for some of us, we get caught up in this where we think, well, I don't know that I know everything. Right? I've, I've not spent enough time studying scriptures to, to have God speak. That, that There's other people that seem like they're way further ahead of me on, the, on this spiritual journey, that, that God might speak to them, but I don't think they, they, he would speak to me. I'm like a spiritual child. Right? Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the question in this moment, in this particular, this particular verse, is, is what's more mature? Right? What's more developed? What's more mature? A person who doesn't um, yet know God like we might, but hears him? Or a person who, who, knows, right? who knows, but doesn't hear or has stopped hearing? The question is, what's more mature? The question is, what's, more, what's, what's a better situation to find ourselves in? This is why, as we spend time in our small groups, we have some very specific questions that we're asking. They're on the bottom of your, uh, your note uh, page there that we use as the framework for our small group. Part of why we use those questions is to get to the heart of this issue, where it's, what is God saying, right? Question two, after we talk about our two words and we have our cookies, as we move on to in, our, in our small group conversations, and it's... Um, what's the Holy Spirit saying or what's God saying to you as you listen to the sermon, as you, as you spent time reflecting on the sermon, as you, as you spent time reflecting on the passage of scripture that the sermon was based on, what was God saying to you? It's us as a people understanding that God does speak, understanding there are a lot of ways that God speaks. Sometimes God speaks with, with what feels like a distraction during a Sunday morning sermon that there's something that's said and it's like God says, let's, let's sit in that for a little bit. Let's spend a little bit of time. And so we kind of like disconnect a little bit from this conversation and, and start to have a conversation with God, maybe off to the side. And then we rejoin, at, hopefully at some point <laughs> down the road in the, in the message. But um, God speaks in all sorts of ways. God speaks when we spend time listening, when we spend time focusing our lives on him. And this is why our four questions matter. This is why we, we say things like, what was God saying to you? And then we ask ourselves, so So what should you do about it? What are you going to do about it? If God has spoken, what does obedience look like in this? And then following that with saying, well, you're blessed to be part of a community that that cares about you, that cares about your journey, that's here to help you in that, whether that's accountability or resourcing or, or some other way that we can come alongside you. This whole idea of what we're doing in our small groups, the whole idea of what we understand Christian community and discipleship and groups to look like is based on not just this specific passage, but based on this whole idea that's woven throughout Scripture, that God speaks and invites his people to obedience. It invites his people to live in community and to move forward together. So we ask the question, what does maturity look like? Is it it that we know how to hear, we know what's going on, but we don't necessarily hear? Is it that we maybe are still learning and yet we hear or we listen? And then a third time, verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Right? Then Eli realized that, that the Lord was calling the boy and so he told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You can see why this story, as I talk about my own journey, as I talk about my own childhood, that, that there's such a, a, a beautiful parallel that my, that my mom invested in me in that moment. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Remember this moment. We're going to be talking as we go through the rest of this passage, this, this story of Samuel and Eli, the, the, the way that they've kind of approached this, this situation. Remember this moment. Remember that Eli recognized that God was speaking. Remember that, that Eli knew what the response should be that Eli understood the way that this was supposed to work, that, that Eli understood that God speaks, that Eli understands the, the correct response to God's speaking. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening, and that begins the conversation, right? That begins the, the, to, to, to respond in a healthy kind of way to what God was doing, that Samuel's attention is now on God who's speaking to him in this moment, this God of the universe now speaking to this child. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I wrote in my notes here, just curious, that um, to get to this part in the passage, is anybody's ears tingling? Because we're about to talk about, this is what the the passage says, is is there this tingling that's happening, right? um, And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. At that time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. In verse 13, this is where it starts to get uncomfortable, I think, for Eli, looking back at this story. For I told him, God's saying, for I told Eli, he's telling Samuel, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. God says, look, I've had this conversation with Eli. Look, I've I've had this kind of moment that this this is me speaking and saying, this is what's going to happen. And therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And then lay down until morning, and then, the, the, and then open the doors of the house of the Lord. And he was afraid, right, reasonably so, afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli, in the morning, wakes up and is remembering that, that Samuel was having this conversation with God or potentially having a conversation with God in the middle of the night, called him and said, Samuel, my son. And then Samuel responds back, here I am, Period. This, as I'm looking at this passage, it reminds me of these maybe a text conversation you're having with somebody. All of a sudden, the temperature starts to change just a little bit in the text, and you're like, "Wait a minute! Here, I, period. Right? No exclamation mark. No like emoji, smiley face that like kind of like softens this. Right? It's like, wait, what just happened? Um, it's a different sort of response this time. And in, in, in some ways, it's it's kind of this like very, like very short, you can almost hear if you're sensitive to, to language and sensitive to the way that, that things are put together, it starts to feel like you can feel the fear in Samuel. Right? You can imagine that, that Samuel is being maybe a little more economical with his words because it's here's a, this moment that he's facing. You can just feel the temperature of the conversation changing. And Eli then asks, what was it that he said to you? Uh, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide from me anything he told you. What's interesting to me is in this moment that that the threat in some ways, or the the kind of like the the consequence that Eli is speaking over Samuel, is exactly the consequence that God is speaking over over Eli. Right? God's saying, look, I spoke and Eli didn't deal with it. I spoke and Eli didn't follow through. And now Eli saying to Samuel, it's because Eli understands the way the system should work. He understands what conversation with God should look like. That his threat was literally straight out of his own story. And so verse 18. So Samuel, this is the courage moment. This is the hero moment. Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what's good in his eyes. If you're writing notes in the margins, you could say it didn't have to come to this. It didn't have to come to this. it didn't have to come with to death it didn't have to come to destruction but the situation which was undealt with that was kind of a, a a consequence of some really broken ways of approaching worshiping god didn't have to come to this but it did so here's samuel caught in this moment for some of us we find ourselves in these moments where god speaks and it's not necessarily about us but it's about a conversation that maybe he would like us to have with somebody that that's a difficult truth that it's a difficult thing to speak it didn't have to get this far. It didn't have to come to this, but it did. And so here we are. What are we going to do about it? So Samuel has this courage moment, and he has a, an option, right? Here's this, this child. Is he going to follow in the path of Eli, or is he going to forge a new way forward for the people of God that says, when God speaks, we listen and we obey? And Samuel was faithful. And this is why Samuel and our list of six heroes that we're celebrating over, the, over these, these few weeks that... This is why he's in this in this series. This is why the, 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 he's included in the in these stories. And then we see as this passage continues, this beautiful aftermath of, of this conversation, these, the result of this conversation, that that the Lord, that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. Right? And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. This particular verse, when I was first sensing that God was calling me to be a pastor, I remember thinking, well, I better know what, I'm, what it is I'm getting myself into. And so I, uh, before I took many steps in, in terms of preparation, before I started thinking about what, you know, what classes I should be taking and what experiences I needed to be chasing after, I so said, I'm going to spend time, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover. I've never done that. I've spent time in God's Word. I've spent time you know, sitting under great teaching. I've spent time you know, in, some, in studying some particular passages or some particular books of the Bible. I've never just read the Bible from beginning to end, so I'm going to do that. And so um, spent time, and I get to this passage, and I remember this is one of the very first verses that I ever highlighted in my Bible, and said, this has become a prayer for me, that my words would never fall to the ground. That if God's going to speak through me, if I'm going to invest the rest of my life, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life listening to God speak in, in preparation, listening to God speak in prayer, listening to God speak on behalf of a congregation, then Thank God, may my words not fall to the ground. May the words that you speak through me matter. May they stick, may they make a difference in the way that you would like them to make a difference. That this verse in some ways became my prayer as I was going through this preparation process. It says, God, may my words not fall to the ground. God, may you be with me as I grow. And what I found is this this verse describes this, kind of the the weight of, and the privilege and the promise that comes with God speaking, the weight and the privilege and the promise that comes with God speaking through us. The weight is that sometimes the truth is hard, right? Sometimes the truth is, is something we would rather not have to speak. Sometimes we would, we would like to avoid speaking it. Sometimes God says things and it's, it's like, God, can we just not deal with that right this moment? Because it just feels like it could be hurtful or I'm just not sure I have the courage to speak that this is going to be a hard truth. And that's the weight of it, right? That's the weight of of having God speak. That's the weight of of listening to God and recognizing that God wants to speak through us. There's a privilege that sometimes it's not a hard truth, it's a beautiful truth because we're talking about hope, right? We're we're helping someone potentially see, we're not doing the forgiving of them, but we're maybe helping someone see that that when they pray and ask God to forgive them, that he does. And we get to give them a, a beautiful glimpse of of what forgiveness actually looks like, that, that we can speak on behalf of God and say, if you've surrendered that to him, if you've asked him to forgive you, then he has done that. You are forgiven, right? And what a beautiful privilege that is to speak those kinds of words, that it's not just harsh truth, it's not just hard truth. Sometimes it's, it's a beautiful privilege that we have to sit with someone and, and help them walk through the, the process of becoming a follower of Jesus, to find salvation, that, that we can speak God's word into someone's life in a way that, that gives such life it's the weight it's the privilege and then there's this promise that God's words when they're spoken through us when God speaks through us are never wasted and that's a fearful and wonderful thing to say God is it is this your word are you are you speaking through me Is just just a whole bunch of me kind of being spoken out over other people God is this is this what you want it's a fearful but then a beautiful thing because when God speaks and when God speaks through us and we get to see the fruit of that and we get to see the, the, the result of God speaking through us, we get this front row seat of God at work in people's lives and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And verse 20, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord, verse 21, continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And then we have the, the kind of the other bookend. If the beginning of this passage started with, and the word of the Lord was rare, and the visions were, were few and far between, right? That there was just very, very little connection with God. Then in Samuel 1, or 4, the, ver, the first part of the, of, the, of the first verse of Sam, chap, uh, chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, and Samuel's word came to all of Israel. God speaking into Samuel and then the Samuel speaking into Israel that it's not just Samuel's words but it's God's words through Samuel that that go to all Israel that this that the trajectory of this passage is from God being silent and God being distant or at least the perception that God is silent or that God is distant to then to all of Israel right that it literally changed the temperature that literally changed the connection that the people had with God and it's important for us to remember that this is just a kid Right, That Samuel is just a kid in this moment. That Samuel is just a child. But he was a child who was listening. He's a child who obeyed. He heard and he responded in obedience. And then that kid, this kid just simply listening and obeying, allowing God to guide him, allowing God to speak in him and through him, that, that this kid listening and responding in obedience changed the way that his people lived changed the way that his people experienced God, that there was this echo of Samuel's life because he allowed God to speak through him. Then he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We started this this conversation, we started this message with one of my Samuel moments. Um, the, the reality is I've had more than my share, probably. It, maybe it wouldn't be as much fun to talk about them, but, but of my Eli moments where it's, God is speaking, and I'm not sure I'm paying attention. God is speaking, and I'm not sure I've always followed through with what he's asking me to do. Um, so the question is for us this morning is how can we consistently be like Samuel? If it's, we're looking at this particular moment, I know, understand we're, we're kind of like taking two lives and talking about one specific moment and, and we don't want to make it sound that Eli was always bad and that Samuel was always good, that, that Eli was a bad guy and Samuel was this, this perfect example, but... Um, there are these moments that are teaching moments for us that, that give us a framework that help us understand that that can kind of give us this: well, is it, is it this or is it this? That if God is speaking, am I going to respond like Eli or am I going to respond like Samuel? Samuel listened and obeyed, despite the posture of his culture and despite the posture of his community. Right? He was in a lean-out world and he leaned in. He leaned in in a lean-out world that, that everybody around him, even the people that were most influential on in his life, in his life, were. We're not leaning in, we're not listening with any kind of intention of acting in obedience, that they weren't even paying attention or maybe expecting God to speak. And here's Samuel in the midst of this culture, in the midst of this, this people who've become incredibly complacent, who who would just make it sound like God wasn't speaking, that would make it sound like God didn't care, that God was distant, that he was off doing something that, that didn't connect with what was happening in their lives in this moment. And Samuel has to make a decision about how he's going to live. And, he makes the choice to listen and obey despite the posture of his culture, despite the posture of his community. He does not use Eli's lack of response as an excuse for his lack of response, but he simply leans in when, when he's in the midst of a lean-out world that Samuel Samuel heard but didn't understand, and so he sought help, and so he learned. And so, so as Eli gave him instruction, that, that Samuel took that instruction and, and then took that instruction and made that his approach as as God was speaking. Eli. Eli knew but didn't engage. Can you imagine if the word of the Lord was rare? This was the part maybe that, 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 that bothered me the most about this passage is that at the beginning of the passage that talks about the word of the Lord being rare, that talks about visions being kind of few and far between, that that this doesn't seem to happen all that often. And here is a guy who carries incredible responsibility for the spiritual lives of a people. This is Eli, right? And he He expects maybe that God is speaking, this incredibly rare occurrence, this incredibly kind of rare thing that's happening, this thing that maybe they don't even expect to still happen. And he recognizes that God is speaking, and yet he doesn't engage, right? He gives Samuel some instruction, but doesn't go and and sit with him. You You would imagine that if somebody's job, if someone's life was built around this idea of listening to God, that his, his life was built around hearing from God and speaking that into, into people and, and helping people learn to worship well and learn to, to practice the kinds of behaviors that help them grow closer to God, that help them align their lives with God, that you would imagine that if he was, if he was really engaged, that the, the hearing of God speak, that there might be a chance that God is speaking in this moment, that God may have actually shown up in, 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 that, in the building that he was present in, that it would be worth getting up from where it was that he was lying down and going in and listening. Right? Eli knows that God is speaking, or at least he suspects it in a pretty significant way, but doesn't actually engage. So it doesn't mean that we have to be experts, right? That Samuel heard but didn't understand that for some of us we, we think we have to be experts, but sometimes being an expert means we miss it because we're just kind of like, well, we know and we think and we have a sense of maybe what God's trying to say, and so we don't hear but Samuel heard and didn't understand, so he took the time to learn. He took the time to listen to someone who could help him and then put into practice, he was teachable, put into practice what he was learning. Samuel listened and obeyed, even in the hard stuff, right? Even in those difficult things to speak, even in those things that it would have been a lot easier to not speak that in a way that Eli did not, right? Eli had heard from God and didn't deal with it. And it cost him and it cost his family dearly. Samuel listened and obeyed. Samuel's life brought life and brought connection with God to his people, that that Eli's disobedience and his his lack of listening in these moments, that his lack of obedience in this moment brought death. That Samuel's life brought life, Eli's life brought death, or at least in that specific context of these conversations. And so we say, what does it look like for us to be a Samuel in a, in a world that's re- more reflective of Eli's posture? What does it look like for us to, in a culture that, that stays busy, that, that kind of like medicates our boredom with, with just activity? And instead of saying, God, what is it you're trying to speak? What does it look like for us to be a Samuel in a world that would cause us to be distracted? I think for us, the, the key is this, that we just simply say, speak, for your servant is listening. Right, there's three key components to this particular prayer. I mean, you can look at this as a prayer. This is a conversation with God. In some ways, this is like maybe all that we need to know in, in, in these moments. We say, we say, speak. God, would you speak? Speak, not me speak, not, not listen to me, God. This is speak, God. For your servant, one who is prepared to act in response to what you speak, that understands the posture that says, if God is speaking, then I'm called to obedience, that I'm called to be obedient to what God is saying to me. Speak, your servant is listening, Your servant is not distracted. Your servant is not trying to hear from you what he expects or would like to hear from you or would like for you to speak what he would like you to speak, but your servant is listening. Your servant is going to submit himself to the words that you speak over him. And so we talked at the beginning about these moments when God seems silent, where God feels like it, it feels like God isn't speaking. What would it look like for us in those moments where it feels like we're disconnected, where it feels like we're not hearing from God, for us to simply get before God, to get quiet before God and simply pray this simple prayer, speak for your servant is listening. Right? It's it's not a command. We're not commanding God to speak. We we don't get to do that. Um, this is not us demanding that God behave in the way that we expect him to behave, but this is simply making a request. And maybe even more than that, it's us taking on a posture of saying, I expect that God is going to speak. I expect that when I get quiet, when I, when I focus on listening, that God will speak. This is both a request and it's a preparation for listening. When God seems silent, can we pray, speak for your servant is listening. When God seems distant, when it feels like God is far away, when it feels like God is disconnected from our lives, when it feels like God has moved far away from where we are, that we recognize that it's not God who has moved, right? It's probably that we have gotten ourselves out of alignment with him, that the master does not wander off, but the inattentive servant might, right? The master doesn't wander off, but the inattentive servant might. And so the, the question, when we, when we feel like God is distant, when we feel like there's this, this distance between us and God, and we pray this same prayer, speak, for your servant is listening, recognizing that we need alignment, recognizing that we need God to, to bring us back into alignment with Him, that we stay close to God by staying in step with God. Speak, for your servant is listening, reminding us of, of the role that we play, reminding us of the, of the connection that we have with God, reminding us that, that it's not God who moves, it's it's kind of us, it's us who wanders off. When the world seems broken, when we look around and there's situations that are coming our way that, that don't seem right, that we, we don't think are as they should be, for us to, to look in those moments and instead of saying God doesn't care, instead of saying that, that God hasn't, hasn't done anything about this, it's us looking in, into broken situations and we say, God, speak, for your servant is listening. In other words, saying, God, what do you want to do in this situation through me? This is, in some ways, what a mentor of mine once called, these are... Um, big boy prayers. We pray and we say, God, this isn't, doesn't seem like it's how it's supposed to be. And then God says, so what are you going to do about it, big boy? Right? What are you going to do about it? Because this is, this is something that you're, you're connected with, that, that you're present for, that, that maybe the way that I'm dealing with this situation is by placing you right in the middle of it. So we look at this and we say, when, when the world seems broken, when the world seems broken, can we pray this prayer that says, speak for your servant is listening. God, what do you want to do about this situation through me? And when God speaks, we act. Right? That the whole process, that the, that the circuit is completed when we move from listening to obeying. This is what discipleship looks like, that we learn to hear and then we are prepared and we follow through in acting in obedience. Speak for your servant is listening. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for the hope that's found in these stories. God, I thank you for the the lessons that you're teaching us, for the posture that you're you're allowing us to to operate through in this world, that um, you are not silent, that you are not distant, that that the world is not broken and without hope, that that you are working in us and through us. And so, God, I pray that as as we learn to listen, God, as we find ourselves imagining, as maybe we're driving in our car, saying, listening or thinking about this passage and listening to this sermon or thinking about this sermon, saying, I don't know if God speaks to me. God, would you give us the courage to pray a simple prayer? God, would you give us the courage in in the midst of what seems like silence or distance or brokenness that you would remind us, speak for your servant is listening. Remind us what this looks like. Remind us of the posture. Remind us of the calling. Remind us of the promise. And God, I pray that as you speak through us, that our words would not fall to the ground, but they would be useful, that they would have the impact that you desire them to have. God, thank you for meeting us in this place. God, thank you for moving us forward. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.